What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. This is the 21st episode of Season 3. Today, we're going to be talking about late-round picks, including guys like Rashad White, Justin Fields, and Nico Collins. And joining me today to break this all down is one of the most handsome men in all of the fantasy football industry. He is a co-worker of mine at Football Guys and one of the smartest people that I know. Also a part-time detective with over 20,000 followers on Twitter. He is a great friend of mine and also a very smart analyst. He is Dave Kluge. Dave, what is going on? Uh, not too much. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I would say we're friends at this point. You know, we, we, I think we did our first show together about a year ago. You know, we've had a chance to meet since then. We've done a few shows since. Um, you know, it's uh, it's awesome seeing you grow and just find really finding your groove over at Football Guys, whether it be on the TikTok or on the YouTube oh. page, just crushing it with the video content. I mean, you're, uh, you're, you're an inspiration to a lot of young people out there, Alex. I don't know about that. I appreciate the kind words, and it's it's actually crazy that it's coming out upon a year because we did our first show together. Like that we met in, I, I think early August. It was right before the expo, so it's we're we're recording this like in late June. So it's it's coming right upon a year since since we know each other. I feel like I've known you forever, and I'm just I'm just kidding. I won't get into all that, but it's crazy though that just to touch on that real quick is the fact that we did a show together out of nowhere. Like I I don't think you really knew who I was before. I followed you, but I wasn't super familiar with your stuff. And then we got a show with Josh Larkey, who I'm sure everyone on this podcast uh, definitely knows who he is. And then Josh introduced me to you. And within like five days, I was like meeting you at the expo. And then you helped me meet Joe. And then next thing you know, like a couple months later, here I am at Football Guys. So point being with all of that confusingness and people that probably couldn't follow what I just said, I'm very appreciative of you helping me get this opportunity at Football Guys, and I'm just excited to create content, get to talk ball. That's what we do around here. But today we're talking about a pretty exciting topic. I think one that is very key to fantasy football and winning your fantasy football leagues. This is the swinging in the fences episode because we're talking about late round guys. Like we said, Dave, we will start off with you today. Who is the first late round target that you were going after in your drafts? Oh, man, I've been tweeting about this guy all offseason. <laughs> I can't get enough of him. Zach Ertz. And I get it. Like he's boring. That's really the only reason I can think that he is sliding to where he is in drafts right now, you know, almost making it to the 10th round in drafts, getting drafted as the tight end 10. And literally, like I'm trying to figure it out. And all I could think is that people are bored. Like he's just been a perennial top five tight end for so long that everyone's like, oh, new shiny toys and Dallas Goddard and, and Kyle Pitts. And I, I get it. But there's no reason that this guy shouldn't be in that top tier of tight ends. Looking at his season long finishes over the last few years, 2015, he was the tight end 10. 2016, tight end six, 2017, tight end three, 2018, tight end two, 2019, tight end four, 2020, he got hurt, finishes the tight end 32. So we'll look past that. But then last year, he was the tight end five. And if you look at just his time when he was in Arizona from then until the end of the season, he was the tight end four. He pulled the fourth most amount of targets behind only Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews and George or, and Darren Waller. He was seeing 7.4 targets per game. I don't understand why he's getting faded so hard. I mean, is it his age? Sure, he's 31 years old, but 31 isn't that old for an NFL tight end. We saw Tony Gonzalez consistently pumping out great seasons in his 30s. Um, you know, if we're going to fade him for being 31, guess what? Travis Kelsey's a year older. He's 32. Should we be fading him? Of course not. He is going to be just fine. 
right now with DeAndre Hopkins being suspended, he's likely going to be the second pass catcher behind Hollywood Brown. So the top five tight ends are Kelsey Pitts, Andrews, Kittle, and Waller, obviously. I don't know what order you've got him in, but that's probably your top five. Why shouldn't Ertz be the next guy? I mean, realistically, why shouldn't he be in the bottom of that tier? I mean, this guy has just been consistently cranking out top three, top five seasons year after year after year. Now he's got a phenomenal quarterback and nobody wants anything to do with him. Right now, Cole Komet is one of my guys, and I've been talking about him a lot and writing articles on him. Um, and, and I think a lot of the reason that I've been pumping up Cole Komet so much is because of my Bears fandom. But I checked best ball, uh, my best ball exposure today, and Zach Ertz is my number one most rostered tight end. When I'm sitting wow. there looking at you know, Zach Ertz and anybody else in that tier that's available, there's nobody that I have interest in more than Zach Ertz. Um, over the last decade, um, the 125 target mark has had an 80 four percent clip of producing a top three fantasy tight end and right now at that 7.4 targets per game projected over a full 17 games would be 126 targets so if he's maintains his target share from last year with the arizona cardinals he has an 84 percent chance of finishing as a top three fantasy tight end in ppr leagues it's not just a high floor for him it's also a very high ceiling i don't understand why he's tight end 10 but i'm going to keep drafting him as much as i can at that value yeah, I love Zach Ertz. Um, I'm not sure about the the 125 target mark. I think that's usually over probably a 16 game sample size. So, so fair, I, fair. I would not say 84 percent for sure with another game added on. But that's that's actually my only gripe about this. I love Zach Ertz. Like he's literally been a top six tight end five out of the last six years. And, and the one year he like, wasn't, he was hurt and played 11 games. Yeah, yeah, and, and I get and I get that there are people screaming right now at you dave saying well deandre hopkins wasn't playing and that's why he was a tight end four like this guy literally came into a new offense and was the tight end four for the rest of the season like if like that's the deandre hopkins equivalent is walking into a new offense and still being a top five tight end like i know he isn't sexy i know he's probably the least athletic like top 10 tight end like in the nfl but i think i have him as my tight end eight right now in my rankings um i really love zach ertz and i also you know love my first guy that we're talking about today also a tight end and that's cole Komet, the guy you just mentioned cole Komet is the tight end 14 right now in underdog and people are love to fade him and not talk about him because you know he had 94 targets and no touchdowns last year but the bears literally lost their third fourth and fifth target leaders last year leaving behind 144 vacated targets just from those guys alone at the tight end position and, and dave keep in mind that the cole commits 22 he's only going to improve and he already last year was eighth in targets ninth in air yards and 11th in target share among all tight ends also how about the fact that yes he did not score a touchdown but he still had a 19.7 percent red zone target share it's not like they weren't throwing him the ball there they were it was just pure bad luck because the other, I mean, backup tight ends, I think had six touchdowns combined on less than 40 targets. I mean, I really love Cole Komet. And I actually, you know, just read this like Cole Komet article the other day by this this guy named Dave Kluge from the football guys that made me believe in Cole Komet even more. So do you have anything to add on to that? No, I mean, you called out the one thing already that Jasper Horst said, Jimmy Graham and Jesse James combined for six touchdowns on 34 targets. And then Cole Komet had zero on his 90-something targets. I mean... That's just unlucky. And most people like the casual fantasy football fan is going to see that and be like, oh, my God, Cole Komet doesn't score any touchdowns at all. But a savvy fantasy fantasy manager is going to see that and say, well, positive regression is going to hit him hard. And I actually looked in NFL history. There's only been one other tight end who has seen 130 or more targets in his first two years and fewer than three touchdowns. It was this guy drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals back in the 1990s. His name was Tony McGee. 
And he and Cole Komet were the only two players ever to have 130 plus targets, less than three touchdowns in their first two years. Tony McGee went on to have 14 touchdowns over his next three seasons. Wow. So Cole Komet okay. is set up to absolutely boom this year. And now with Allen Robinson gone, Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Horst, I mean, all these other guys gone, the stage is set for him to be the number two pass catcher in Chicago. That's amazing. I, I honestly, maybe we should just turn this into a Tony McGee fan club, you know, type <laughs> podcast. But I feel like if, if Tony McGee, you know, can succeed in fantasy football, then I think that Cole Komet can later succeed in fantasy football. I've never heard of Tony McGee. I probably won't ever hear of Tony McGee. But Tony, Tony McGee is the guy when you're on Madden and you're like three years out and they start just like auto-generating names and it's like, yeah. and out of Boston College, <laughs> Tony McGee. Yeah, exactly. That's always how it goes. And, you know, if he's watching this, you know, I hope that, you know, he enjoyed <laughs> his next three seasons after no, not many touchdowns. But that is it for the tight end position. We will move on to you, moving on to some very nice running backs. Dave, we will start with you with your late round running back that you need to be going after. Yeah, I'm going to take Alexander Madison, RB39, currently getting drafted in the 10th round. I just tweeted out a picture of one of the uh, puppy super flex drafts that I did. And wouldn't you know, Alexander Madison was on that team. It seems like he can fit into any build, whether you're going hero RB, anchor RB, zero running back. It doesn't matter. You are going to find a way to put Alexander Madison in your lineup. Delvin Cook misses games. And when he misses games, Alexander Madison is basically a one-for-one -one copy that's going to step in and put up RB1 production. He is just a fill-in, plug-and-play RB1 in those games that Dalvin Cook misses. Over the last two years, Madison has trouted out for six games, in, or six starts in games where Cook has been injured. He has averaged 20.4 PPR points per game in those matchups. In the games where Cook has played, he's averaged only four points per game. So, I mean, this guy is completely useless when Dalvin Cook is playing. But when Dalvin Cook isn't there, you've basically got Dalvin Cook 2.0. I mean, they've even got the hair. They've got the same play style. Like, you can't even tell them apart on the field. In a managed fantasy league, it can be frustrating when you draft Alexander Madison because he's just going to be taking up a valuable bench spot. You don't know if you're ever going to use him or not. But in best ball, where you're swinging for pure upside on every single pick, Madison is one of the easiest picks that you can make in the 10th and 11th round. He's got a chance that he gets you nothing over the year. He might get you a handful of games. But what happens if, you know, Dalvin Cook goes out, tweaks an ankle week one, and then all of a sudden you've got a locked and loaded RB1 for the rest of the season? Madison is my favorite of a bunch of late round handcuffs. But guys like Isaiah Spiller, Khalil Herbert going shortly after him, they make for pretty good arbitrage options. But Alexander Madison is the cream of the crop for handcuffs. And I'm trying to get him on as many teams as I can. I think one of the we need we need a PFF background right now and and just put Alex Madison as Dalvin Cook 2.0 when he starts. <laughs> no, no hate to PFF whatsoever, but I know that like some of those some of those tight end rankings this year were a little suspect PFF. I know we we all we all saw those, but Dalvin Cook 2.0 is Alexander Madison. We're gonna clip that, put it out to all the people. I love it. But I, I like Alex Madison. And I think the fact that you know Dalvin Cook's never played over 14 games in a season and in a 17 game span, that means that you know, likely if that trend continues in his sixth year in the league now, that you know, Dalvin Cook will probably miss a couple games. And I think beyond the 20 PPR points, Alex Madison averages like 27 or 28 touches a game, you know, including carries and targets in the games. Cook is out. He is the number one, you know, handcuff in all of fantasy football for when guys go down, probably outside of Kareem Hunt. Uh, obviously, or you know, maybe Melvin Gordon. I don't know, but maybe Andy way, Dillon. He, he's great. Or the only other guy that I think is comparable, you know, to a really great handcuff is my guy Rashad White. Rashad White going as the running back forty-two right now could be 
a top five running back in fantasy football. He could literally be Alexander Madison 2.0, you know, should Leonard Fournette get hurt. Here is why in 2021 in college for Rashad White, he's a rookie this year. He had the sixth best PFF receiving grade of all time. Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, all rank in the top four all time in PFF receiving grade in a single season. Rashad White also has the fifth best college yards per route run of all time. The only players higher, Christian McCaffrey, Travis Etienne, Joe Mixon, and later wide receiver convert Curtis Samuel. How about, okay, fine. Those stats aren't good enough. How about one more of another elite club that Rashad White has also joined? Among players that were in Power 5 schools with 90-plus rush yards per game and 40-plus receiving yards per game, there's only five guys to ever do it. Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, and Joe Mixon, and Rashad White. Elite company all around, however you look. He's a great pass catcher. He's in a class with a lot of very elite running backs in some of these different metrics. And I think Rashad White, if Leonard Fournette goes down, could legitimately be a top five running back. I know that, you know, the Gio Bernard is over 30 years old. Truthers are, you know, coming out of the woodwork to say that he'll play the third down back. But I'm not saying that Rashad White is going to come on the field right now and command work from Leonard Fournette. I don't think that'll be the case. But I think should Leonard Fournette go down, and if this guy can somewhat pass block, you know, for Tom Brady, I think the Rashad White could be very interesting this year. Do you feel the same way, or am I getting a little bit, you know, too hype about arbitrage stats? You know, I, I do like that you at least called out the pass blocking at the very end of that spiel, because that is the one thing that I think is going to inhibit him from really taking on a big role. Um, and a lot of people are using Rashad White, who, you know, everything you said about his pass catching prowess is 100% spot on. I mean, this guy is a fantastic pass catcher, but I think that it's going to be tough for him to get on the field if he can't pass block. Um, you know, I just wrote a recent article on Leonard Fournette, and one of the things that I really dove into is why his snap count was so high. And a lot of that had to do with being a very good pass blocker. He saw more pass blocking opportunities than any other running back in Tampa Bay last year and didn't allow a single sack. Meanwhile, Gio Bernard, Ronald Jones, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, all of those guys gave up multiple sacks. So right now with Tom Brady being in his 40s at the very end of his career, protecting Tom Brady is the number one priority for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So if Rashad White can improve his passing blocking, you know, I think there's a good chance that he can carve out a role, but if he can't get up to speed as a rookie, he's probably going to sit on the bench while Leonard Fournette, fresh with that new contract, is going to maintain his role as a three-down back. Definitely. Definitely. I think this is a rare case where pass blocking matters. Uh, I made the mistake, you know, back in 2019. I had a top three pick in about four or five fantasy drafts, um, and I had an opportunity to pick Christian McCaffrey in four of them, and I picked him in zero for one reason, and it was that, Christian McCaffrey the previous year was graded as the worst pass blocking running back in the NFL. In my logic, deciding between it was like Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, and CMC was okay. Well, this guy's the only awful pass blocker. Maybe he gets less snaps. And uh, then he went on to have like the best running back season of all time outside of LT. Just had to well, bring that the, up. The big difference in those situations, though, is his quarterback was Cam Newton. Yep. And yeah. White's is Tom Brady. So you've got a yep. hyper mobile strong hard to bring down quarterback and then you've got tom brady who has no mobility at this point in his career so it's a little bit of a different situation and and i i think you are right though that if something were to happen to leonard fournette then they'd have no choice but to put rashad white out there but i don't think that he's going to be siphoning touches from fournette as long as fournette's healthy 
I agree. I agree. And like I said, like, and I, I also make sure that I would reference that, like I said, that this is a case where pass blocking does matter. And I think that Leonard Fournette being a great pass blocker as he is, is going to keep him on the field. And also the last thing I'll say about Rashad White, or not Rashad White, but Fournette before we move on, is that, you know, Todd Bowles, like himself, said that, like, Leonard Fournette is our is our bell cow guy. Like, he's a guy that doesn't need to come off the field because he's so great at, at every single aspect of it. And then I know that there's people that are like, why do they draft Rashad White? Well, like, if he goes down, like, you don't want to start Keyshawn Vaughn. Like, I'm sorry. You know, Ronald Jones is gone, even though he's not that great. Like, they needed someone else. And I think that Rashad White can fill that role should Leonard Fournette goes down. But I hope he doesn't. Leonard Fournette's such a great value in drafts. But we'll move on to our third players. Dave, we will start with you. Who is your third late-round target? Oh, man, I'm kind of nervous to talk about this because I don't want to oh, sound no. like a homer. Like, you see the Bears stuff behind me. You see the signed Jay Cutler helmet here. And I promise oh, this is coming from a very objective place. Oh, geez. Justin Fields right now is getting drafted as QB 16 going in the 13th round. I just don't get it. Trey Lance has become everybody's favorite second-year quarterback, and, and I get it. His reporting cast is objectively better. But I'd argue that Fields is a better player, better quarterback, better athlete, whatever you want to say. I think that Fields is just better than Trey Lance, and he's got the chip stacked against him without Kyle Shanahan, without Debo Samuel and George Kittle and the running game and all that. And his situation was rough last year. A lot of people forget about this, but most people said that Justin Fields wasn't pro ready. You know, his job, he was going to get drafted and he was supposed to sit behind Andy Dalton while he was supposed to develop on the bench. And then Andy Dalton got hurt in week two. Justin Fields got pushed out onto the field immediately. And wouldn't you know it, the rookie that everyone said needed time to develop wasn't developed enough to be a pro ready quarterback. And he struggled. I mean, he looked terrible in his first few games. Overall on the season, he played in 10 total games where he saw 65% or more of the team's offensive snaps. Now, let me split these up. First six games, he had a 56% completion rating. Uh, he passed for 0.3 touchdowns per game. He threw one interception per game. He had 134 passing yards and 30 rushing yards. By all intents and purposes, those are terrible numbers. Now, let's look at the last four games where he played at least 65% of the snaps, started, or finished the game. His completion jumped up to 62.62.5%. He averaged 1.25 uh, touchdowns per game, which is four times more than he averaged earlier in the season, 244 passing yards and 64 rushing yards. You multiply 64 rushing yards over a full game, you're looking at well over a thousand rushing yards. Now, I know it's really dangerous to extrapolate a small sample size, but if we take those four games from the end of the season, which were against pretty formidable opponents, he played against San Francisco, he played at Pittsburgh, at um, Green Bay, and against Minnesota. And if we look at that over the course of a 17-game season, that would have been 349 fantasy points. That would have been good for QB5 last year behind just Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes. Now, I'm not saying that you should be drafting Justin Fields as your QB5, but he showed us at the end of the season how high his ceiling is. I mean, everybody remembers that play against San Francisco when he just changed oh, yeah. the entire offense and scored that touchdown. And now with a new coaching staff, he should get unleashed a little bit more. Nat, Matt Nagy, for whatever reason, did not call any rushing plays for him. It seems like, from what we're hearing out of camp right now, is that they have fields running all over the field. So, I mean, this guy is a freak athlete, and I think that he could have a Jalen Hurts-type season on what I expect to be a very bad Bears game, or a very bad Bears team. But guess what? Garbage points, or garbage time points still count, and the Bears are going to be in garbage time, racking up a lot of fantasy points. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good point. I think I'm still a little bit skeptical of like, you know, the play callers, you know, for I know it's probably going to be Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus 
And, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast have no idea who Luke Getze is or know nothing about Matt Eberflus. People probably don't even know he's a defensive coordinator for the Colts, you know, before that. So I worry a little bit. Like, it's not like they brought in Brian Dable or, you know, like your Kevin O'Connell for the Vikings. Like, I don't think that they brought in someone where I'm like, okay, all of a sudden they're, they're going to fix, you know, Matt Nagy's problems. Like, I feel like another, you know, defensive coordinator, like a, um, like the guy that you know used to coach for the the Rams that end up coaching the Broncos. I'm I'm completely slipping on his name. He was the, he was their coach for the last couple of years. Do you know what I'm talking about? Fangio, Vic Fangio. Yeah. Yeah. Where could be Vic Fangio? Where just like the offense just is never that great because they don't have like an innovative offensive play caller. And you know maybe that's out of turn to say, but you know still like I, I think Cole Komet is a good value in fantasy drafts objectively, right? Yes, but. Do I really like Cole Komet being the number two option for a quarterback that I'm drafting in fantasy football? I, legs, don't, I don't know. I'm legs, not sure you, about that. You take that 64 rushing yards per game over the course of a full season, that's almost 1,100 rushing yards. I mean, Lamar Jackson is the only guy that's ever cracked 1,000, and that is realistically within Justin Fields' range of outcomes. I will agree with you, though, on the coaching staff. I mean, this is just a coaching staff that we don't know a lot about. I mean, you got to look at Getze. He comes from, you know, the um, – uh, the, the Shanahan coaching tree. So hopefully Getsy as offensive coordinator will be able to inject something fun into this offense. But yeah, I mean, you're really hoping with Justin Fields that he's just going to have that Jalen Hurts, Deshaun Watson type season where he's on a terrible team and he just overcomes it by his, you know, freak athleticism. Yeah, and I love Russian QBs. Like everyone that listens to this podcast knows how much I'm an advocate for them. And I still believe in Justin Fields. I think he's fine where he's going and someone that I would probably target, you know, in that, you know, portion of drafts. Um, personally, I just, I don't know. I just like those weapons, man. Like I was still one that was, you know, advocating for Jalen Hurts last year with as bad as his weapons were. But I don't know. I it just, I don't know about it for Justin Fields. And we'll, we'll leave it on that. We can agree to disagree, but I will say that you have a Bears helmet behind you. And that's the whole reason why you had that argument. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Obviously, just joking, little banter. But my number three guy actually is a wide receiver, and it's Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, I think, is criminally underrated at this point and could end up, could end up, you know, should the situation play itself out correctly, not correctly, because I don't want it to play out like this, but. He could end up as one of the biggest values in all of fantasy football. Last year, he was still productive. I know he's getting older, but he had the nine highest, ninth highest targets per route run at 27% in the NFL last year. That means when he was on the field, more than one-fourth of the time when he was running a route, they were throwing the ball to him. I, I love targets per route run. Like It's not you know a target share or amount of targets. It's when they were on the field running routes, how often were they throwing it to him? And Jarvis Landry was still commanding targets. Now he is with the Saints, and the reports out of the minicamp said that he was dominating OTAs and shorts, and you know that's wonderful. But the biggest thing about Jarvis Landry is right now he's going as the wide receiver 59, okay? Wide receiver 59. He's played eight seasons in the NFL. He's been a top 40 wide receiver in points per game in all eight seasons in the NFL. Every year he's been it, he's done that. And here's the biggest reason why I really like, you know, Jarvis Landry right now is because we still haven't seen Michael Thomas play. He didn't play last year. He only played in seven games in the previous year in 2020. And he's still rehabbing. Like you, you'd think that after like a year and a half plus right now that he'd be done rehabbing. But he's still rehabbing and trying to get back for training camp, which is concerning. But he's also had so, you know, been unhappy with the Saints and the team and that stuff going on. And, you know, there's a potential that he doesn't play. But beyond that, there's also an Alvin Kamara legal situation that's being sorted out right now where he could also miss some time and miss some games. So there's a non-zero chance right now that Jameis Winston could not have 
you know, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. I think it's unlikely that both those guys miss, but I think it's probably more likely than not that one of those guys is going to miss some time early in 2021. And if that happens, Jarvis Landry could be the cleared number two or number one player in this offense. And Jameis Winston, we've seen him in the past, has supported good wide receivers in fantasy football. So for that reason, I know Chris Olave is there, but I think, I mean, Jarvis Landry is a value. He's been top 40 in points per game all eight seasons. What say you, Dave Kluge? I mean, I agree with everything you say. The only reason that I don't have as much Jarvis Landry as I want on my teams is because he's getting drafted back-to-back -back with the next guy that I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that Jarvis Landry is a great value where he's at right now. Everything that you talked about, um, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Chris Olave. Um, and he's a guy that, for whatever reason, it's like scouts and like, you know, football people love Chris Olave and for whatever reason the fantasy people don't like him you know he's got the late breakout age he wasn't a huge dominator in college he's a little bit undersized um, but yeah I think that Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry are going to be a pretty dangerous combo like even if Kamara and Michael Thomas don't make it out there this year both of these guys are very good in their own respect so I, I agree with just about everything you said um, if I want to talk about my next guy I mean this is the only reason I don't have more Jarvis Landry is because two spots after Jarvis Landry is getting drafted Jamison Crowder is getting drafted at wide receiver 61. And this is a guy that I think is a huge value right now. He has been on awful teams with terrible quarterback play for his entire career. And every year he's found a way to pull elite target shares and maintain some sort of fantasy relevance when he's healthy, which admittedly isn't that often. I mean, he's got a pension for getting hurt. But now he goes to Buffalo into a role that made Cole Beasley fantasy relevant. And everybody <laughs> just decides to forget about Jamison Crowder. Over the last three years, Cole Beasley saw a minimum 100 targets out of the slot in three straight years. In 2019, he was the wide receiver 33. In 2020, he was the wide receiver 27. And in 2021, he was the wide receiver 37. Jamison Crowder is younger, bigger, faster, and just an all-around better player than Cole Beasley was. And people have become so enamored with Gabe Davis that they're just sleeping so hard on Jamison Crowder. He just turned 29, but we saw 30-year-old John Brown put up 11 points per game just two years ago. I talked about Beasley a little bit earlier. He was 30, 31, and 32 years old, and he put up those numbers in Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen made a 35-year-old Emmanuel Sanders look good last year. When you've got a quarterback like Josh Allen, being on the wrong side of 28 years old isn't that big of a ding on you. So I think that he is going to do just fine there. Now, obviously, Jamison Crowder does not have overall wide receiver one uh, in his range of outcomes, and I think that's why people are sleeping on him. But he's getting drafted as the wide receiver 61. You can snag this guy as your wide receiver 5, wide receiver 6, wide receiver 7, whatever it may be, and he's going to give you a solid weekly floor that will help get you through bye weeks, and he'll probably have an occasional boom week because he is a beast after the catch. We saw him last year against the Buffalo Bills torch them on a huge screen pass that he took to the house. He is one of my most roster wide receivers right now, why he's getting drafted outside of the top 60 wide receivers makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, I love the Cole Beasley comparison. I mean, when he was in Dallas, he had one top 40 fantasy finish in seven years. And then he goes to Buffalo with Josh Allen. And what does he do? He puts up three straight seasons of top 40. And that was at, like you said, like 29, 30, and 31 years old. Like mm -hmm. probably after his prime was like his three best years in the NFL after he changed quarterbacks, I think Jamison Crowder is a good comparison. I've always been a Jamison Crowder stan ever since they still called the team the Redskins, and he was like my favorite slot guy that I would hope for a touchdown on Thanksgiving. Like I felt like for a couple of years back when Fat Rob Kelly was the running back <laughs> for the people that 
that really remember. Um, but like I said, you know, I think Jamison Crowder is a very good value. I think it's comparable to Cole Beasley, and I think that will elevate. And I do agree. I like Gabe Davis. I don't hate him as much as some people on Twitter, but I think the you know some of the hype of some people is is a little overblown. And I think that's where you can take advantage with Jamison Crowder. But another guy that's you know being also a little overlooked that. I think that people should be looking at more is Jacoby Myers. And, you know, I, I love my like zero touchdown guys and Jacoby Myers, one of those guys that barely scores touchdowns, but right now he's going off the board at wide receiver 66. I mean, this is a guy that is playing with an ascending QB in Mac Jones. Jacoby Myers also had 51 more targets than any player on his entire team last year. He has little competition for targets and he's improved his numbers all three years that he's been in the NFL. He is going to improve, you think, in his fourth year at 25 years old. Mac Jones is probably going to improve going into his second year. And the competition for targets hasn't really changed outside of adding a deep threat in Tyquan Thornton. Those are not the targets that are going to be stolen from Jacoby Myers. And I know that Josh McDaniels isn't there. I think that worries me a little bit because slot wide receivers have always feasted in Josh McDaniels offenses and the play caller change. We still don't know who it is could affect Jacoby Myers, but I'm going to bet on the guy that had 50 more targets than anyone on his team playing with an ascending QB and has improved every year that he's been in the league. So uh, Jacoby Myers, someone that I'll definitely take some shots on and hope that he can find the end zone for once in his career. Yeah, I mean, we'll go back to that Tony McGee talk from earlier. 130 exactly. targets and two touchdowns in his first two years. Well, J Jacoby Myers, you know, that's a tight end specific. Jacoby Myers has 207 targets and two touchdowns in his last two years. Just yep. awful luck. Exactly. And I, again, the Tony McGee stands are so all for it with Cole Komet. Tony McGee fans have Jacoby Meyer jerseys, Cole Komet jerseys, DJ Moore jerseys. You know, the, the Tony McGee fans will always unite on on those guys. And I think those guys are really good. But Dave, we are getting into our final guys of the show here today. We will start with you. Who is your last late round target that we were talking about on the show today? You know, all the guys that I've been talking about so far have been between ADP of 100 and 130. I wanted to spice it up and have at least one really deep poll here. So the guy that I'm going to talk about is Nico Collins. And some people might be listening to the show and say, who? I mean, <laughs> Nico Collins is not a household name. This is a guy who was a third round pick last year on the Houston Texans of all teams. And he was injured as a rookie. But let's talk about him for a second. You can get him in the 18th round of almost every single best ball draft, which means he's essentially free. Um, last year, he played in 14 games because he was dealing with an injury, but Davis Mills only started and finished eight of those 14 games. And if we look at, this is a reasonable sample size. You know, I'm not sitting here extrapolating one or two games. We're looking at eight games, so half a season. And if we stretch it out over a 17-game season, his pace with Mills at QB would have been 96 targets, 53 receptions, 833 yards. That would be pretty darn good for a rookie to put up, but he dealt with injuries and, you know, didn't have the season uh, as a whole that we would have liked to see. Now, 833 yards extrapolated, nothing to write home about, but pretty solid. The thing that really gets me excited, though, is the comparison to Michael Pittman. I mean, it just feels awfully reminiscent to what Michael Pittman did as a rookie. They're both day two draft picks. They're both six foot four. Um, you know, Michael Pittman was on a team with T.Y. Hilton, who is aging. And right now, Nico Collins is on a team with an aging Brandon Cooks. And I dug in and I realized that there are just so many comps between their rookie years. Both missed exactly three games early in the season. And then towards the end of the year, they solidified themselves as the team's wide receiver too. Both are in the 90th percentile when it comes to size adjusted speed scores. 
And when you look at just about everything, size, speed, length, catch radius, these guys are very, very similar. They came into the league at the same exact age. They both commanded exactly 61 targets as rookies. Now, I'm not going to say that Nico Collins is going to finish as a high-end wide receiver, too, like Michael Pittman did in his year, too. But the potential breakout is staring us right in the face, and we'd be crazy to ignore it. With an 18th-round pick, why not spend it on a guy who's got a very strong profile and a sky-high ceiling? I love that. I, I really like Nico Collins. How many how many games is that sample size again with, with Davis Mills that he played? Eight. So he played eight? in 14 okay. total games, but he only had eight games with Nico Collins. Okay. Or with, with Davis Mills. Eight, eight's a solid sample. That's literally half a season sample size. I think half half a season, I think, for me is good. Like I, The four games, I don't know. It, like it, It's tough. You know, with, with those sometimes, unless there's special circumstances, like Elijah Moore, you know, where, where he turned things around and then was great until he got hurt. You know, I think those are different. Like, I mean, but Justin some of those four was great until uh, Andy Dalton came back in yeah, and then he got pushed back to the bench. Yeah, but there's a Bears helmet behind you. Come on. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just giving you crap for it. I, I like Justin Fields, but I really like Nico Collins. Definitely someone I'll be taking shots of. But another guy going in that same range that I'll probably be shooting at instead is Jalen Tolbert or Tolbert. For the, for the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys last year just lost 32% of their targets, 44% of their targets inside the 10-yard line, and 40% of their air yards. Amari Cooper is gone. Cedric Wilson is gone. Michael Gallup had ACL surgery in February, which means at minimum, he will not be back until mid-November. Do you know what week mid-November, people, you know, falls on this year? Week 11. That means we won't see him back to at least week 11 coming off an ACL tear. And Dak Prescott, the last two healthy seasons he's played, I'm not doing the backwards foot season here where he was on pace for like 6,000 yards. His last two full seasons that he's played, he's thrown for over 4,400 yards and 30 touchdowns in both seasons. I don't think he's going to put up those numbers this season, but you know, if he throws for 4,000 yards, you know, I, I, CD Lamb, like as much as he's going to get, like, it's not going to be 2,000 yards. There's a lot of you know targets, air yards, and targets inside the 10 up for grabs. And I think Jalen Tolbert could be that guy. He's also been impressing in camp. He's been making some big plays. I know it's in OTAs and shorts, but I think it's still relevant that he's making plays. And he's running with the first-team offense. If you don't value the you know guys in shorts and their pads and whatever they're doing in OTAs you know in June, that's fine. But he's running with the first-team already. And Michael Gallup won't be back until at least week 11. Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson gone. You know, there's big potential for Jalen Tolbert this year. And real quick, what do you think about Jalen Tolbert? Is he someone that you're you're interested in? Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a great profile. And I don't know if you caught the show yesterday, Sigmund Bloom and Andrew Erickson. They did an entire show about how you can build a fantasy team just by targeting players that are on good offenses. And yeah. the Dallas Cowboys, say what you want about them. They are a good powerhouse offense. So there's going to be a lot of points to be scored. And uh, I'm with you on Jalen Tolbert. I uh, actually just wrapped up one of those super flex puppy drafts on Underdog that just came out this morning. Just wrapped up one of those and uh, got sniped on CeeDee Lamb, but I was able to get a late round stack for Dak with Jalen Tolbert. Hey, you love to see it. You love to see it. And I love that. And Dave, I love you coming on the show. But before we get out of here, you still have a flag plant to get to. The best part of the show, the biggest take that you have. I have a funny feeling that I, I may have at least an idea. Because I follow you on Twitter, who your flag plant may be. Dave, with your shoulder injury, 
are you still able to give us this flag plant? <laughs> yes. You know, I didn't even prep for this. I completely forgot that you end the show with this flag plant, but I've talked about this guy so much over the offseason that I could fire this off the top of my head without even thinking twice. Alan Lazard, top 24 finish. Just go ahead and book it. I'm sure that's what you were expecting, right, Alex? Yeah. I mean, this much. guy. I wrote an article about him back in March. And when I wrote this article, he was getting drafted almost outside of the top 80 in Dynasty. When I was doing best ball drafts in March, he was not even getting drafted. He had an ADP of 190. I mean, this guy has just been slept on his entire career, and it's because he hasn't put up big numbers. But you know who else didn't put up big numbers early in the career? Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, <laughs> Randall Cobb. I mean, every one of these guys that came into the league, it took years to build and develop that trust with Aaron Rodgers. We know that Aaron Rodgers is a uh, quote-unquote complicated fella, according to the president of the Green Bay <laughs> Packers. And that's just what he does. I mean, this guy almost left the team because freaking Jake Kumaro got traded. Jake Kumaro, who had done like nothing in his career, but Aaron Rodgers was in that stage where he was developing him and building trust with him. And now... Alan Lazard is the longest tenured wide receiver on the Green Bay Packers. Ooh. Now, the, just the ceiling for him is what's so alluring. Of course, there's a chance that Aaron Rodgers just spreads the ball thinly across every single player in Green Bay, but that has never been what he's done. He finds a guy that he likes, that he has a lot of trust in, that he can just throw balls up to before the guy even turns his head, and that's what Alan Lazard is. Now, we have seen one game in the last two years where Devontae Adams missed and Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling were both healthy. And what you'd assume, based on their you know career target shares, is that that would be pretty evenly distributed among the two of them, right? Well, you're wrong. Marshawn Lattimore covered Alan Lazard in that game. He was targeted eight times. He caught six of his eight targets for 146 yards and a touchdown. We saw another game last year where Devontae Adams, right before halftime, got knocked out and put to the sideline. Two-minute drill, Aaron Rodgers leaned on Alan Lazard for four passes all the way down until they hit the end zone. Alan Lazard has that trust of Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to step up in a big way this year. Right now, he's still getting drafted outside of the top 90. I think he's a huge value there. Until he's getting drafted as a top 30 receiver, I'm going to keep reaching for him around early to make sure I have as much exposure on him as I possibly can. Wow. That's that's as good of a case you're going to get for, for Alan Lazard. I, I think I'm a little bit – I'm not on the Alan Lazard train per se, but I'm not off of it. I yeah you know, I think you know I'm in the train station right now and I'm kind of deciding if I want to get on or not. Like I feel like I'm still you know buying my peanuts and my Tony McGee jersey you know in the in the team shop you know before I decide what I'm gonna do. But I think that Alan Lazard is really interesting and I think you made a great point with it. You know the fact that he's been the longest tenured wide receiver. That's why Sigmund Bloom, our coworker at Football Guys. I think one of his biggest guys when I had him on the show was Randall Cobb because he has that trust with Aaron Rodgers. So I think that, you know, I would hope that, you know, one of those guys becomes great value, you know, in fantasy football drafts. And I think that as a fan and someone's watched a lot of Packers football, like I just don't see a world where there isn't a guy that commands a lot of work, whether it's, you know, 30 plus Randall Cobb or, you know, target share Alan Lazard, like whoever, whoever you want to bag on, like one of those guys is probably going to, be a value in fantasy football drafts. I think that Alan Lazard more likely than not would be the guy if I had to pick one. But again, like I said, I'm still in the train station, but that's that you definitely, you know, are, you know, holding a little donut in front of the train telling me to walk over and, and come I'll, grab it. You definitely got me a little closer. I'll, I'll throw one more out there just to really Please. try to solidify it and get you on train here. Just think about schematically how this Green Bay Packers offense looks. I mean, they run a pretty simple offense where they have a lot of two back sets or they'll, you know, uh, motion one of the backs out. But really what you're looking at is one tight end, a flanker, an X receiver, and a slot guy. And when you look at the makeups of the guys that are on the depth chart, 
Alan Lazard is the only guy that profiles to take that X role that Devontae Adams has had over the year. Christian Watson doesn't have the route running to play the X receiver, so he's going to step into MBS's role where he's going to be playing on the opposite side of the field, playing a field stretcher, which, P.S., I kind of like Christian Watson for that reason, especially in best ball, because I think he's going to have some boom games. But Alan Lazard is the only guy that profiles to play that X receiver. So Amari Rogers, Aaron Jones, Randall Cobb, they'll kind of be in a rotation in the slot. Christian Watson's going to be playing on the outside, but Alan Lazard is going to be the first read on almost every single passing play. Wow. Okay. That that definitely has me closer. I really like that. That is a, that right there. That's that's exactly that's the money play right there. I love that. That is great. And Dave, it's been so fantastic having you on the show. So thankful for you as a friend, as a person, as a coworker. You know, for all the opportunities that you've helped me get. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for my listeners. You guys already know. Dave is awesome. You got to follow him at Dave Kluge on Twitter. But before we go, Dave, this is your chance to plug all the great stuff and great content that you're doing each and every day. Please tell the people. Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. And I really, you know, take a lot of pride in sharing a lot of information on Twitter. So that's really the best place to, to keep up with what I'm doing. I share all my content there as well. But man, I'm busy these, these days. On Tuesday, I've got a show with James Brimacombe on the Football Guys Network where we're doing our best ball show. Uh, Wednesday evenings, I've got the Mailbag Show with Troy King and Victoria Geary, also on the Football Guys channels. Fridays, I've got the Launchpad that comes out Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern on the Football Guys channel where I have two different guests on every single week. But really, the nice thing is you don't have to follow me all over the place now on a bunch of different websites. I am exclusively over at footballguys.com. So subscribe at YouTube, youtube.com slash footballguys, and go get yourself a membership at Football Guys, and you can find most of what Alex and I are doing right over there. Absolutely. Lots of great stuff. And I, I, again, one thing I will say real quick before we get out of here, as someone that works at the football guys, I love the football guys before I was a fan. I actually used a lot of their stuff, read a lot of their articles, but once I actually got to work for football guys and see some of the people and the talent and all the work that goes into everything and some of the high level articles that come out that, you know, I now have access to, I would highly encourage people to subscribe because there is a lot of really good stuff. They've hired a lot of really, really smart people in their class of 2022, which does include myself. If you want to see some of my work over there, but you guys got to check it out. Football Guys is the real deal, and there's a lot of stuff going on over there. So please check it out because there's new great content coming out each and every single day. But that is all for you listeners today. Thank you to Dave, and thank you to you listeners for listening along with us for the Fresh Fantasy Podcast today. It is crazy now that we are over 140 total episodes of this podcast that just started out as something for fun and has turned into a dream. So I'm so thankful for all you listeners for helping my dream come true each and every single day, and I couldn't do it without you. But as always, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do, and I hope you all have a great rest of your day.